church family. How y'all doing this morning? Would y'all stand up on your feet, greet some people around you, and then we'll begin to worship together.
forget the wonder of how you brought Kentucky my entire life, but something happened yesterday. I didn't know exactly if it was the start of the season or the end of the season. I actually had to text somebody this morning 
But I went to Louisville to do a long run. I'm coming back, and it's like Armageddon. There's so many pickup trucks on the side of the interstate by these fields. I'm heading to the house in Baghdad, and it's like who's who of hunting. And you can tell who got a deer and who didn't because I've never seen so many tailgates down showcasing the bucks that these guys have got. Like it's like their, their chest is big, and like when people are passing, they're not looking into the, the cab of the truck to see who's driving. They're looking into the, the bed of the truck to see what he or she got. And being in yesterday, it's like dress with your camo and your hunter orange, and you can get 10% off anything in the back. I mean, it was like everybody and their brother was there. And it got me thinking, like, these guys are so proud of the deer that they're getting, and rightfully so, man. I, like, I saw just, you know, from Shelbyville to Baghdad, that's, what, 10 miles. I saw some big deers in the back of, of a lot of people's pickup trucks. And it got me thinking, like, man, at the end of our lives, when the end of the world, not to get doomy and gloomy here for a second, but I want to be in the back of God's pickup truck. I want him to showcase this person belongs to me. This is my prize. This is my possession. Look what I gather. Look what I'm bringing home to uh, my kingdom. And that doesn't happen. If this doesn't happen, if Jesus isn't on a cross, and that's only part of it. If Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, I'm not a historian like Bobby, but I think there's only one person who has done that thus far. So as we remember, man, let's take some pride. And I know we got to be careful with that word, especially in the circle that we're in right now. But let's take some pride. Let's take some celebration. Like, man, we're going to be in the back of God's pickup truck. Not because of anything we've done. Because of the person that we're remembering today. So as you take the juice, as you take the cracker, again, it's not just routine. Like, hey, this is what we do every single Sunday. Can we think about maybe it might be a Sunday that God comes back and he collects his prize. He loads us up into his truck. And it's probably a Chevy. I think God's a Chevy guy. We can debate that later. But he can start prancing around town this person's mine this person's mine that entire family over there is mine because of my son jesus christ and what he did let us remember heavenly father god i thank you i thank you for just the simple reminders that you're existing each and every day and god may we be like the deer hunters this weekend and being just excited ready to showcase our rewards all the hard work, the effort, the scouting, the plotting, the planning, the precision. But it's in our relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. For the sacrifice and the promise that he made, not just then, but every single day since then. Let us take this time to remember and never to forget. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
give you pure exaltation open the heavens receive what is yours Jesus receive what is yours Would you stand as we declare him worthy? Worthy are you, God. Worthy is your name. Worthy of our praise. We worship you.
things that we um, make preparations for, right? Are you guys prepared? Like if you're going to go on a trip, a vacation, are you the one that like starts thinking like weeks in advance about like what we're going to take and and looking at the map or looking at like how how are we going to do this and all those kind of things? Or are you the person that just like jumps in the car and says, all right, let's go and hoping somebody else has all that figured out, right? Maybe you've uh, prepared for, I don't know, maybe you're a person who prepares for your, your week, of work and you or whatever's going on you think like on a Sunday night all right here's what I'm gonna do here's what's going on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this week maybe one of those people one of those weird people like lay out your clothes for Monday morning on Sunday night I don't know some people do that um I, you know maybe you're preparing for the holidays right Thanksgiving and what's uh, what, what, are, what are you gonna you know who's doing what with food and where are we gonna go and then it just gets into Christmas and all the preparations that we make for those kind of things. Maybe you've made preparations for retirement. For years and years and years you've invested and you put away and you planned and you prepared for that day you could re- retire and ride off into the sunset and do whatever you want to do, right? We make a lot of preparations in in life for this life. But sometimes if we're not careful, we could get to the end of life and and not have made the most important preparations of all. That, that moment, that day that we're going to stand before the Lord, right? We've been walking through this series over the last four weeks. This is week five. We're wrapping it up today in First Thessalonians chapter five. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and go there. We're going to look at uh, chapter three a little bit and go back and look at something there real quick. And then we'll, we'll go and finish up with chapter five. But as we've been walking through that, what we've been looking at is this letter that Paul wrote to some Christians in Thessalonica in a place uh, in Greece. And and the first three chapters are really uh, this celebration of their faithfulness. Paul's writing to them saying, great job. You guys are doing an incredible job. And and then chapters four and five really are, are about this encouragement to keep going. Keep going. Keep growing. Because you're not to the end yet. Keep making preparations for the day. That Jesus comes back. Paul was really focused on, and and those Thessalonians, they were really focused on Jesus' return. And they talked about it, and they prayed about it, and they taught about it. And it was something that they were standing in anticipation for. And they were making preparations for. And so this morning, we're going to wrap this series up. And we're going to look at what Paul says at the very end of this letter. And there's some really important stuff, some really powerful stuff uh, that I think you can take with you today. I want us to think back, though, about what's happening with these Christians, this very first, one of the very first communities, Christian communities ever established. These are people who are following Jesus, but it was costly. It was costing them relationships. It was costing them influence in the community. It was costing them jobs. And for some of them, it would cost their life. At the end of this letter, one of the things that Paul's addressing is that these, these Christians had some questions about, hey, there's some of us that like, we, we've lost friends, they've died, they've become martyrs because of the faith. What's going to happen to them when Jesus comes back? And so Paul's answering this question for them. What's going to happen to the living when Jesus comes back? What's going to happen to those who have passed on? Like, what's the, how is this, this all going to work out, Paul? And so they've got these questions and he's trying to answer some of these questions for them because they were anticipating Jesus' return and they were making preparations 
for those things. Some of these people, like I said, were losing their lives, but they had concluded, they had come to this place in life that, you know what? Loving Jesus and following Jesus, pursuing Him was worth it. Whatever this world may throw at them, they said, it's, it's worth it. And so even if it costs us everything, we're going to follow Jesus. But, but they still, they still had some questions. And so Paul prays. He prays three times in this letter. He writes these prayers down. If you look at the, the letter as a whole, like I said, the first three chapters and the last two chapters, really at the very beginning of the first chapter, he, he has a prayer and then he has a prayer in the middle and then he kind of ends it with a prayer. So it kind of bookends it, bookends this letter with prayers and there's one in the middle. I want you guys to just listen to some of the areas that he focuses on and encourages them to grow in, in this, in in chapter 3, really, kind of verse 12 and 13. And this would kind of lead us in to chapter 5 as we finish this out today. Here's what he prays for. Three areas. He says, I want your capacity to love and to serve others. I want that to increase. I want, I want to encourage you that whatever you're doing now to take another step in your love and in your service for others. That needs to increase. It needs to grow. And then he says, I want your commitment to holiness. To continue. Dave preached about holiness the last couple of weeks. That this understanding of as we grow closer to Jesus, it's going to change us. It's going to change our hearts and our minds. It's going to change our actions, right? And so as you grow closer to Jesus, you're going to grow in this understanding of what it means to be holy before the Lord. And then he says that you need to understand that there's this hope. You need to continue to have this hope on the return of, of Christ Jesus and that that would just remain strong. That you understand that he's coming back and that you have this hope, you have this confidence in your salvation and what you, what Jesus has done in you and through you and that he's coming back for you. So I want you to listen to some of Paul's words in, in this prayer. Here's what he says. He, say, he says, may the, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, he says this, may the Lord make your love for one another and for all the people grow. And overflow, just as our love for you overflows. Jesus' followers should be known, Paul says, in this community as reliable people who work hard and serve their neighbors and love their neighbors. And Paul says that when you work hard, he's, he's big on working hard and, 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 and kind of, you know, pulling your own weight and those kind of things. Because what he says is, is when you do that, when you jump into the community and you work hard and you serve others and you love them and they see this outflowing, this overflowing of love and service and commitment and putting others first, what that's going to do is going to allow you to have leverage in the community, have influence in the community. And then, what you can do is when you have this, this, these things that you can give back to people in generous ways, people are going to be drawn to that. And when they are drawn to you and to your story, guess what? You have this opportunity to share with them who Jesus is and what he's done. And so Paul says, love people in that way that your love just overflows in your actions and your words and in your deeds. And then the second part there, he says in Verse 13 of chapter 3 says, May he, as a result, make your heart strong and blameless and holy as you stand before God, our Father. There's this commitment to holiness that Paul is pleading with them to have. Paul challenges them to a life that's consistent with the teachings of Jesus, right? He says, understand that Jesus' life the things he said, the things he did, it was all about drawing closer to the Father and being more like him, being holy like him. Paul says that Jesus taught that holiness and sexual purity, Dave talked about this last week, go hand in hand. Paul knew that these new Christians would need to exhibit a serious commitment to Jesus' teachings and to his ways. And he says that there's this culture around you that's different. There's this world around you that says, I'll do whatever you want to do, do it with whoever you want to do it with, and that's fine. Sexual promiscuity, all these things going on and just... All this wickedness. And Paul says, that's, that's the world. You see that picture. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be committed to holiness. I'm going to pray that you're going to be holy. And that that day that you stand before the Lord, you've made preparations for it. A, a gift to be enjoyed within the haven of a committed marriage covenant relationship. That's what sex was. It was between a man and a woman. And Paul looked at their society and he said, sexual sin, it dishonors God, it destroys people, and it takes their dignity. He says, you need to be aware that that that's what's going to, if you're not careful, if you focus on that thing, if you focus on the world, if you focus on what's going on in this community of yours, in this society, it's going to draw you away 
from what God wants for you. So stay committed to holiness in Jesus. That's the second thing he prays for. And then the third thing he prays for is this hope of Jesus' return. Look at the last part of, of verse 13. He says, as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all of his holy people. Like I said, it seems that the East Christians had some questions about what happens when someone dies. Like, we, we're seeing some of our, our friends and our neighbors who are followers of Jesus, and, and they're, they're, getting, they're getting martyred, they're getting executed because of their faith. What, what's going to happen to them, Paul? And so Paul's very clear that, that, that not even death, he says, he would write this, not even death can separate Christians from the love of Jesus. He says that both the living and the dead will be called to Jesus. He, he assures them of that. And then he wants the Thessalonians to see how this hope should motivate faithfulness to Jesus. And that's the point, is that this hope in what Jesus has done and will do will motivate them. And so here's, here's the question. I have one question I want to ask you guys this morning. We're going to talk about it in two or three different ways, but I just want to ask you one question this morning. And this is the question that I want you to, to think about, to wrestle with, to, that will maybe motivate you this week to look inward and to maybe change some things that are going on in your heart and your mind. And here's the question. If the gospel message is true, if all of this is true, if the Bible's true, if everything Jesus said and did is true, if Christianity is true, if it is the source of truth, how then should we live? How should we live in response to that truth? If the gospel message is true, you have to make that determination on your own, right? Like we have to all make that determination. If this is true, and I'm not just going to assume because you sit here this morning in an 830 service on a Sunday morning in a Christian church that you have completely and totally and fully wrestled with that in your heart and in your mind and it is settled for you i'm not going to assume that i'm not definitely not going to assume that in the next hour and in the third hour but i'm not even going to assume that for you guys because i think we all have to get to a place where we have this confidence this is what paul is writing about this is what he wants to assure these christians about in thessalonians and thessalonica is that if if this is true if you believe that jesus is the source of truth and that you believe that he is the son of God and that you believe that he is the only one that offers salvation and you've put away those idols and you put away those false teachings and you've walked away from that, that formal, former life that you lived, all that junk and all that sin and all that ugliness, all that darkness, if you walked out of that into the light and if you are standing here today, if you're sitting here today, ask yourself this question. If this is true, if this is true, then how should we live in response to that truth? And then look at your life. Look at your heart. Look at your mind. Am I living? Is there fruit that's being produced within me because of this truth? What has changed in the way I act, in the way I speak? Right? And the things that I'm about, the things that I value in this world. What is different in us and through us if the gospel is true? And so now I want you to go to First Thessalonians chapter 5 as Paul finishes out this letter. Because he's going to answer this question. How should we live? How should we live? He's going to give us a list here at the end. You're going to see this. But here, here's what he says first in, in verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. It says, now concerning how and when all of this will happen. These questions that you guys have about, about when this is going to, when Jesus is coming back, how all this is going to work. Paul, we don't get all this. Like we have a lot of questions. He says, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you about that. For you know, you, you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. Like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. See, Paul is saying here, I don't have the answer to when Jesus will come back. I don't know. We've, we've talked about, he's saying that when I was with you, we talked about the fact that we don't know the time and the date. We don't know those things. But here's what we do know. When it happens... We need to be ready, right? Let's be ready for his return. 
And so a big part of how we're preparing for that is how we live on earth. And he says, you need to be ready. You need to understand that it's going to come like a thief in the night. You understand that. And then here's what he, this is interesting. Um, that phrase, everything is peaceful and secure. Here's what Paul's doing there. It, it, you wouldn't, most people wouldn't catch this, but that was a phrase. That was a propaganda slogan that the Romans used in the first century. With every um, country that they would occupy, every town that they would take over, every place that they would come in and establish Roman rule over, like they were, t- the Romans were taking over the whole world at this time, right? And so they would come in and they would say, hey, let us, we're, not let us, we're going to come in. We're going to take over everything. Our, our soldiers are here. Our government's here. Like you're going to follow off. You're going to follow Caesar. But don't worry because everything's fine. Everything's going to be peaceful and you're going to be secure. Right. And so Paul uses that phrase. He says, you know what? You know what the Romans say? They say everything's going to be fine. Everything. It's all peaceful. You're secure. Right? And the Romans, how were they making everything peaceful and secure? They were using the might of this army. They would come in and basically either enslave people or kill people and take over. And they say, hey, if you'll just do what we tell you to do, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be peaceful. And so Paul says, you've heard that phrase. You know what that is. But the only way to have real peace and real security is to rely on Jesus and not the Romans. And so in verse four, here's what Paul says next. He says, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief for you're all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing our helmet, our helmet, the confidence of our salvation. Paul begins to discuss the implications of Christ's return for the believers. He says, to the unbeliever, Jesus will be like a thief in the night. But for the believer, his return is not going to be a surprise. Those who believe are not in the darkness. The, the Bible typically refers to darkness. The darkness is this moral, moral darkness or the spiritual blindness, disobedience or separation from the Lord. Paul says that there's this difference in those of us who walk in Jesus's ways. We walk in the light. We can be confident in our salvation because of what Jesus has done. He says, you look at this world and you have to understand that, that the things that the world is telling you is sharing with you, those are lies. Those are things that are pulling you into the darkness. But when you walk into the light, when you stand in the presence of who Jesus is, you've been enlightened morally with your character, with your behavior. You understand now, aha, the light bulb has gone off, right? You understand there's a different way to live and now there's no condemnation For those who are in Christ, Paul would later say, in in Colossians, Paul writes this. He says, for he has rescued us. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in the kingdom of the son that he loves. And so Paul says there's a difference between those who are of this world, unbelievers who are walking in the darkness. And those of us now who are in the light because of Jesus. He says this, later on he would say, a a Christian is in relationship with the light, unlike believers. Christians live in this moral and spiritual enlightenment. And and this is what happens when things start to change in our lives, in your life and in my life, right? Being in the light, having been rescued from the darkness, looking to a future with God, not being subject to his wrath. And when I think about all the things that God's already done for us. I was down in my office a few minutes ago just praying before this morning. I wrote this down the last second. I very rarely do, do these kind of things because it's usually already here on my notes. But I wrote this down. I said, everything that you need God to do for you, he's already done it through Jesus. Everything that you think you need God to do for you today, if you're sitting here, God, I need this from you. I need that from you. God, I need you to do this in my life. If you think about it, everything that everything you need Not everything you want, but everything you need, he's already done through Jesus. He's already done it. His word shares that with us. What he's done for us, 
right? And so for us, a lot of times we walk through life and we're like, oh man, I would, God, I wish you would do this or I wish you'd do that. And I don't know about this and I don't know about, like what's going to happen in this next season life? I used to talk to students all the time. I was like, I don't know what God's will is, what he wants for my life in this next season, like after high school or college or whatever. And so there's this big world out there. There's all these things going on. And what's like, what God, and, and, and I used to, say, used to say, you know, there's not like, are you in Jesus? Are you walking with the Lord? Then like none of these are wrong. Right? Here's what you need to understand. Everything that he has for you and already told you to do and be and be about, he's already put in his word. Right? It's already there. And so if you just walk in that, walk in the light, walk in that confidence of your salvation, if you are in Christ, then whatever path you choose, whatever occupation you choose, wherever place you choose to live, those kind of things, right? Understand that everything that he has done through Jesus is all that you will ever need. And everything else is just kind of a byproduct of that. Those are the ways that we live in this life. It should make a difference in how we live, that we've been called out of the darkness and we have this future with God. And so here's that question again. If the gospel message is true, how should you live? How should I live in response to that truth? What Paul says here is that falling asleep is this picture of what happens to us when we are spiritually or ethically or morally not on watch, not watchful. We drift off, we're drowsy, we begin to become comfortable with life, our hearts become insensitive, there's this spiritual drowsiness, it slowly paralyzes the spirit, and so there's this understanding that a person who was once vibrant and wide awake with Christ is now lethargic and lazy about the issues of the spirit. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've had this season in your life where it one point you were just on fire right and then you get to a place and it's like you kind of just feel disconnected from jesus from the church you stop reading your bible you stop going to worship and it's like you get lethargic you get lazy it's like this slow paralysis starts to take over and you wonder what's happened like why why do i feel this way and it's because you've been disconnected from the father and from the son and you fall asleep you you just kind of lose you know you're not alert anymore and you doze off. I was in uh, college, and I was, uh, it was a summer, summertime, and I had an internship. It was the summer of, well, I won't tell you what summer it was, because I'll tell you how old I am. But I, was, I was about 20 years old, and um, I was going over to uh, a church over in Washington County, close to camp, where Camp Calvary is. Uh, it's about an hour away. I was still living here in Shelby with my, Shelby with my parents. And so I'd spent the, that weekend, Friday and Saturday, up in Indianapolis with some friends from college. Uh, I drove home late Saturday night, got up early, saw you know, I rolled in probably two or, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning, got up really early so I could be at church over in, uh, at Antioch Christian Church over in Washington County early that morning. And so as I'm driving the Bluegrass Parkway over there from Shelbyville, I fall asleep. I was driving a little, I had a little, uh, little uh, Ford Ranger. I like Rangers. I like uh, Fords. Uh, and so I was driving a little Ford Ranger and I, I fell asleep. And I remember in my dream, like this dream is really bumpy, right? It's just kind of bump, bump, bump. And I'd veered off the Bluegrass Parkway and I was heading down this, like the, the side of this little hill. I'd missed this concrete barrier, barrier, barely. And I was heading down this hill and it was probably about 200 yards. This is one of those things. I don't know if you've ever been experienced like this. You're like, I should not be alive. Honestly, the, the state trooper that saw that she came back and helped me, like she saw where my truck was. There were two guys coming the other way on the blue rush. They saw it all happen. They saw me. They're like, hey, dude, we saw you take off to the, you know, a hard ride off the, off the bluegrass parkway. And, and so they stopped their car. They run across the highway. They come down and it's like literally, it's probably two football fields to the bottom of this embankment. My truck is down there sitting on a fence over a creek. At the bottom, you know, on this farm, right? And it didn't turn over. But, but here's what happened. As I, as I wake up, <laughs> I get to the bottom and my dream ends and I wake up. Everything is black because there's trees and shrubs and everything. Like my truck's just covered. And like I wake up and I'm like, everything's black. I'm like, oh no, I've died and I've gone to hell. 
I'm like, I cannot believe this. I'm a, I'm, I'm a youth minister. And I've got, like, it was all black, right? Like, dang it, I didn't make it, right? And so I'm there. And then all of a sudden I hear these two guys, they jump up in the bed of my truck and they're like, they're like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm fine. And so like, I couldn't get out, like, I couldn't open the door. So I'm like, shut the door, open the door. I finally got enough room where I could get out the door. And they walk me back up to the, the hill and we go to the police station in Lawrenceburg and the state trooper comes and she takes me back out there and, and she said, where's your truck? And I said, well, there, it's down there. And she's like, where? I'm like, down there. She has to get her binoculars out to read my license plate. Like it was the size of like that, that big from the, from the road. So that tells you how far down it was. And she's like, how did you, how did you walk out of this? And I was like, I don't know. You know, she's like, there's so many things that could have went wrong here. I was like, yeah, I know. And so there was this period of time where I was missing. The people at the church didn't know where I was. My parents and everybody here at this church didn't know where I was. So there was like a, and it was before cell phones, right? And all that stuff. And so she's like, well, who can we call? Whatever. And my parents were here at church. And so it was like, there was like an hour, hour and a half period where like I was missing. No one knew, knew where I was, you know, but I, I thought about that this week about just falling asleep. Right? The, the peril that can happen when you doze off, when you can fall, when you fall asleep, it, it is that thing that, that it, it's, it's disastrous or it can be. And the same thing can happen to us when we fall asleep spiritually. And what Paul says is that you need to stay alert. You need to be awake. You need to understand that the darkness, that's where, like when it gets dark, that's when bad things happen. So, so stay out of the darkness. Stay away from the darkness, spiritually speaking. Run to the light. Have confidence in your salvation because of who Jesus Christ is. And understand that that's where life is and where life comes from. Paul mentions that the confidence that we should have in our salvation comes from Jesus Christ alone. And so this reality guards us. This confidence guards us. It's different than wishful thinking. We can be certain that Christ will come back, that he will, he will, we will live with him forever. And that's what Paul's writing in this letter. And he asks this question, indirectly, he asks this question. If the gospel message is true, if these things that you've experienced are true, if the things that, that you and I know about Jesus, if they are true, if the things that we read and hear are true, if, if Jesus really is, God's son. And if he really offers us salvation, how should we live in response to that truth? How should you live? How should I live? What urgency should there be in the message that we have for those that we love that aren't in Christ yet to know? There's only one way out of the darkness. There's only one way out of this life into eternity, and it's through Jesus. So wake up, be alert, pay attention, understand that you are walking around in a haze and a fog. You're paralyzed because of sin and because of this world, and we need to wake up. We need to realize that there's only one way. And it's through Jesus. And so if this gospel message is true, how should you live in response to that? Paul goes on. For, in verse 9 he says, For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Jesus Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, he's answering that question, like this question, what, what's going to happen to those who have already passed away? Paul's answering this question right here. When he returns, he can live with them forever. So encourage each other and build each other up so that you're all, so, as you are already doing, just as you are already doing. Paul makes it clear here that God did not appoint us to suffer his wrath. Wrath is the judgment of God upon unbelief. For the Christian, there's no fear of Christ's return. Paul would write this later on in Romans. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Therefore, there is no condemnation. If you are in Christ, if you know Jesus, there is no condemnation. You do not have to fear death. You do not have to fear Christ's return. You will not stand in judgment because Jesus Christ is your Lord. There is no condemnation, Paul says. For those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we should be encouraged for that with that. And then Paul says, you must continually talk about that and remind others of that future as well. 
not to grow weary and not to lose heart, right? Not to get complacent with it and not to, not to just get like, okay, I know that I've known it for 50 years and and everybody should know it. And if they don't know it tough, right? No, Paul says you continue to share this message, this confidence that you have, that others should have, that they can have about knowing who Jesus, don't grow weary, don't lose heart in these spiritual battles that raise. And here's, here's what I wrote down this way. Every Christian, Every Christian has a responsibility to encourage others in the faith. Every, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, you have a responsibility to encourage, to help, to mentor, to pray for, to lead others in that. We talk about this question, right? Who's your one? Every one of us, you, you should be able to, any, any one of us that have been around for any time at all should be able to walk up to someone else that's a, a, a member of Shelby Christian Church and whisper in your, hey, who's your one? And I, I want to write their name down and pray for them. You should immediately be able to give them a list. One, two, three. Like, here, here's a person. Would you pray? Hey, it's a person I work with. This is my neighbor. This is uh, somebody I go, I, you know, I go to school with. This is like, who is that person? Who's your one? Right? Are you continually helping people see the light and that they need to walk out of that darkness? When you're in the dark and you're walking in that, you don't like, they don't know it until they see the light. That light comes from Jesus. And Paul says, that's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be about. I wrote this down too. It's easy. Here's what's real easy, right? It's easy to find fault. And to criticize and to be negative with others. Have you guys found that to be true in our world today? It's so easy. It is a lot easier to criticize and to be negative and to find fault with you. That's like we are, we're really good at that in the world. Jesus taught us though to look inward and to examine our own hearts first and to, then to encourage others towards holiness. To look at who we are and, and to put that other stuff to the side and say, how can I encourage others? To walk in Jesus' ways. Encouragement inspires us to stay on track spiritually. It also builds others up. It means that we're investing in them relationally. Followers of Jesus should always add to other people in such a way that they are spiritually stronger because of our relationship with them. Are you adding to other people? Is the the fact that others have a relationship with you, they are friends with you, does that build up things in their life? Are they better because they are friends with you? And and because you know Jesus and are building spiritual things in their life, maybe they don't even realize it yet. But are you doing that? We have a responsibility to encourage them and to remain faithful and to keep growing until the end. Because you are all sitting here this morning alive and breathing. It is not over yet for you. And so we have to keep Going the end of this letter, this thing. This is why Paul wrote this letter. This is exactly why he wrote it. He says, "Hey, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know there's like persecution, and I know some of you guys are even dying. And I know it's getting really hard in your city because you're standing up for Jesus. But you need to keep going. I want to encourage you. I want to cheer you on. Great job so far, but you're not there yet. It's not over yet. So keep going." Take that next step. What's that next season look like for you? And, and so for you guys, I would ask the same thing. Don't, don't like limp to the finish line, right? Like sprint to the finish line. Like what is it, God, that you want for me to do next? What is it that you're, you, you have called me to do that's, that's next? What's this next season in life, this next ministry, this next opportunity? How can I encourage non-believers, unbelievers? How can I encourage them to follow Jesus in the ways that you follow him, the ways that I follow him, and the ways that bring us into the light, into this everlasting, eternal light with Jesus? How can we do that? How can we bring them out, right, of this understanding that one day they're going to stand and if they do not know Jesus, they are going to experience the wrath of God. That's what God's word says. And so we don't want, you don't want anybody to face that. You don't want people that you love. You don't want people that you don't like to face that, right? We would, we won't want that on anyone. And so God, how can you pull us, you pull us into the light and you give us this understanding and this responsibility to do the same thing with others. And so who's your one? If the gospel message is true. If it's true, how should you respond to that truth? How should you live? 
If you really believe like this is true, how's it going to change your life? How has it changed your life? And I know for a lot of you guys, you can give, you can give a list of ways that it has. And I would say, great, good job. Don't stop there. Keep going. What's next for you? Here's how Paul answers this question as we close up this morning. Here's how he answers this question at the end of this letter. Here's what he says. I just wrote them down in some bullet points. Here's how you live this way. Here's the response that we should have as Christians. Live peacefully with each other. Right there off the top, that's a hard one, right? Because there are people that you know that like, he's like, there's somebody you're going to like talk to this week. You're like, I just want to punch them in the face. That's not living peacefully with them. Okay. Work, work hard and be generous. I know, especially in this, this hour, you guys have done that. You've displayed that uh, to the, to the 10th. Like people who are work, hard workers and who are generous. I know a lot of your families and a lot of your stories. And I would say you guys have excelled in that. Good job, but keep going. Encourage each other. Are you an encourager of others? Take care of the weak and the vulnerable, Paul says. It's another way that we respond to the truth. Be patient. This is one that got me this week. I had to underline. I had to highlight it. I had to remind me. Be patient with everyone. Don't pay back evil with evil. Do good to each other and unbelievers. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Test everything that is said. Paul Paul said, hey, you need to test the things that I say to you, that I write to you. Test them. And here's what I would tell you guys to do. Anything that's ever said from this stage, you need to test it against this. You need to, to, if you hear it and you go, huh, I didn't know. you You need to test it. You need to test us, right? Don't just take it for all that's what Jason said, that's what Dave said. You need to test it. Is this what God's word says? Test it, Paul said. Test everything that is said. And then hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Following Jesus produces a counter-cultural or holy way of life. Amid the darkness, Christians should be full of love and grace and truth and generosity. Those are Jesus' ways, and they lead to the light. Here's how Paul finishes his letter. He says this, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. He who calls you is faithful. Are you ready? Let's get ready. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, we thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity this morning to gather in this place as the church, as a family of believers. God, we know your love. We know your grace. We've experienced your mercy. We know the truth of your word. God, help us to live it. Help us this week to wrestle with if, if, if this is true, and I believe it is, and, and I know there are a lot of people in this room that do as well. If this is true, how should it change the way we live? What response should we have to that truth with the rest of the time that we have left here on this earth? It may be a day maybe a week it may be a decade it may be 50 years but God with the time that we have left may we be light in a dark place may we be an encouragement to those who are broken who are hopeless who feel helpless who don't know where to turn 
God, amid the darkness of this world and amid the sin of this world, may we be light. Not because of us, but because of what Jesus is doing through us and in us as individuals and as a church. That's our prayer this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this invitation song. Dave will be down here. We'll be down here. We'd love to pray with you if you have something you want to pray about this morning. Let's, uh, let's sing. guys for uh for worshiping with us this morning hey if you're new uh to our church maybe checking things out for the first time there's an i'm new area out in the lobby there's some folks out there that would love to give you a gift and maybe answer any questions you have about our church uh, also just a couple of uh, big things coming up tonight five o'clock over in the uh, gymnasium have our thanksgiving meal and then we'll come over here at 6 30 for a night of worship so that's going to be a really special time tonight i hope you guys will come back and, and uh, join us for that also it's that time of year right all these the christmas stuff's going on so the operation christmas child boxes are coming back this week the angel uh, salvation army angel cards are out in the lobby i know people are already uh, grabbing those so grab one of those if you're so inclined this week also the the, the bell ringers we do that at um, the local places here in shelbyville the day after thanksgiving so black Friday. There's a sign-up table right back there. I think where Dave said we're about 50% uh, done with that, so we need to kind of finish that out here in the next week or so. So if you guys could ring a bell on that Friday for an hour, that would greatly be appreciated. Thanks again uh, for being here. Let's go out of this place today. Let's go love God. Let's go love people. And let's change this world. Love you guys.